started a, a series, just a two-week series that we're going to end today called Make Room. And last week we talked about making room, and, and I'm talking about physically making room, getting ready for growth and for people to come into the church. And we said there are three things we need you to do. The first is we need you to serve. We need you to, to volunteer. You have talents. You have abilities. And, and so, you know, I serve. I've always served at the church. When I wasn't pastoring, I was serving because I love my church. And I always want the church to be blessed. And so I've always wanted to serve and to volunteer. Um, man, we had a great group of guys come out yesterday for our men's work day. Man, they did a tremendous job. The place just looks beautiful. Can we let our guys know that yesterday they did a tremendous job? So grateful for them. So grateful for Landmark Tree Service, Mark and Denise Unger. They just blessed us with thousands of dollars worth of uh, tree trimming yesterday. So grateful for them as well. So that's serving. We want to serve. And then we talked about the second way was to tithe. We, tithing blesses the church. It causes us to be able to pay our bills, to grow. And then the third thing we talked about last week was to invite and that's why we encourage you to invite, 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 and bring somebody with you. Uh, next week, Easter, we, we have three services, 8.30 and then 10 o'clock and then 11.30. And here's what we need from our second service. We need some of you to move over to 10 o'clock so that we can make room for the people coming at 11.30. So we need some of you, some of the, the people here to move to 10 o'clock. So just get ready for next week and say, hey, I can go. We also have an 8.30 service. If you're, you know, one of those early birds, that's me. I, I'll go to the, the early ones. Some of you like your sleep. Come on now. You sleep is godly, I understand. And so... You'll be here at 11.30, so, but if you can make the 10 o'clock, we do encourage you to do that. So that was last week. This week, we're talking to you about making room for God's presence, making room for God's presence. The Bible says this in Psalms chapter 22. It says that God is enthroned on our praises. The King James Version says it like this, that God inhabits the praises of his people. He dwells there. He lives there. He is enthroned there. There is something about praise that makes room for God. It makes room for God to move. When we praise, it is like we are welcoming God into our life, into our situation, into our good, the bad, the ugly, into the struggles that we have. We are literally inviting God in. We are making room for God. Many people are confused about praise. They say, what is praise? Let me just tell you very simply what praise is. Praise is giving and receiving. It is giving and receiving. How many of you have ever walked into church and said, I need something today? Man, I just... You just, I mean, when I say walked in, you literally dragged yourself in. I mean, you, you barely got here. You just, you had the worst week or the worst day or maybe it was even the worst morning, you know? I mean, you're just like, I have got to get to church. I have got to get to praise. I mean, you just needed church. Anybody just had to walk in like that? That's me, I've been there. But how many of you, maybe you have walked into church and, and you came and you said, hey, I'm ready to give today. I mean, you know, I feel great. 
I mean, you know, God's blessed me and I, I feel strong and I, I didn't come to ask for anything. I didn't come with my hand out. I didn't come because, you know, I, I need to make a petition. I came because I just wanted to say thank you. I came because I just wanted to tell God how much I appreciate all he has done for me. The bills are paid. People are healthy. I, I don't have any major requests that I need to bring before the Lord. I just came to give God praise. Has anybody ever been there? I, I've been there too. I, I love those days as well. But the truth is, is that every time, every time we come into God's presence, there is both the giving and the receiving. Let's read from Mark chapter 14, this incredible portion of scripture, starting in verse number three, Mark chapter 14, it says, and being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you also, and whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me you do not have always. And she has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will be told as a memorial to her. Here is the story of a woman. The Bible tells us later that this woman's name was Mary, that she was a former prostitute, that she had made a living by giving herself, looking for love in all the wrong places, trying to find affection, trying to find love. But when she met Jesus, hallelujah, when she met the man who could love her like no other man could, there was something about Jesus that was so attractive that she was just overwhelmed with the feeling of forgiveness. This This is the lover of my soul. This is the one that my heart has been looking for. That she took a very costly perfume. There was no bank. There were no savings. You did not put your money in paper. You put your money back then into one item, one pearl of great price, or one, in this woman's case, box of of perfume. And she took her life savings, everything that she had, and she took it to Jesus, and she broke it, and she poured it out. She anointed his head. She anointed his feet. She anointed him even at the cost of the criticism of others. It's interesting that those that were there, the Bible says that he was at the house of Simon the leper. In the New Living Translation, it says that Simon the leper, the one who was healed from leprosy, healed from leprosy, sitting at a table watching someone else worship, Healed from leprosy, a disease where you are an outcast from society. Your life is taken from you. You can no longer uh, have a relationship. You can no longer talk to people. When you saw someone coming, you literally had to scream, unclean. You could not make a living of any kind. Everything taken from you. Jesus healed Simon, yet he just sat there. 
Another portion of scripture would teach us, uh, tell us that Lazarus, who was raised from the dead, was also at this house, and he sat at the table. His life taken from him, his life canceled, dead, buried in a grave for three days, a stone placed over all of his dreams, all of his hopes, canceled. Yet Jesus came, raised Lazarus from the dead, gave him everything back to him, yet he sat there while this woman huh, just said, I, I can't sit on my praise. I, I, I've, got to, I've got to do something. There has to be a giving. I have, to, I have to be willing to give him whatever it costs me. And for her, it cost her, her everything. Everything that she owned, she brought to God. That is praise. That is praise. Let me give you three things today that praise is. Praise will cost you. This is what praise is. Praise, first of all, will cost you your heart. This is what you have to give. We give him our heart. The Bible says that in the book of Isaiah that God actually said to the children of Israel, you come to me with your lips, but it's your heart I want. Your heart's far from me. What I really want is your heart. Jesus repeated this in Matthew chapter 15 when he told people they were hypocrites. He said, you're coming with just lip service. You don't come in just, just, just giving God any old lip service. You're not just coming in and, and singing words on, on a screen. You're not just coming in and thinking about what you're going to do this afternoon or, or what's going to happen this week, but yet you're still mouthing words. You come in, you put your whole heart into this thing. You invest it. You say, God, I'm here. I'm all here. I'm all in. I've come to give you praise. My, my heart is in this thing. Amen? We have a five-year-old son, and uh, man, I tell you what, I tell people, I said, listen, if you want to babysit for us, I'm just warning you, if he can break it, climb it, eat it, destroy it, he'll do it. He's all boy, but he has the most tender, loving heart. And this week, I'm just sitting there, just, just minding my own business. I didn't, I didn't ask him anything. I didn't promise anything. And he just calls out from another room, I love you, Dad. Nothing, wanting nothing in return. Just, just wants to give his affection. And, and I thought to myself and that we, we've won this kid's heart. His heart is ours. That he loves us. And he just, he just gets overwhelmed sometimes because his heart is invested. That's what God wants from us. He wants our heart. He wants us to say, hey, God, we give you our heart. The second thing is this, is your voice. He not only wants your heart, he wants your voice. You say, my voice? Your voice. I understand you may key, sing, sing in the key of E flat, 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 flat. But the Bible doesn't say you make a beautiful sound to God. It says you make a joyful sound. Amen? And what's joyful to you may not be joyful to me. People around me may not think it's very joyful, but guess what? Hey, it's all me. I'm bringing God my voice. There's something about my voice. My voice is unique. There is no other voice like my voice. David said this, my voice will you hear in the morning. God, I'm bringing you my voice. See, religion will tell you to be very quiet, to be still. 
I've been able to go to Europe and visit some of the cathedrals and walked into Notre Dame and there's a a big sign there saying, please be quiet, be reverent. And I thought that's the exact opposite of what I want uh, our church to be like. I, I don't want a sign saying, be quiet. I want a sign saying, hey, when you walk into this place, make some noise. Come on, get loud. Use your voice. It's okay. Nobody's nervous. Huh? Wait till you get to heaven. You think it's loud in here? Oh, wait till you get to heaven. It's going to be a Puerto Rican party when you get there. Come on, have you, ever, have you ever been to a Puerto Rican party? I've been to many of them. I'm telling you, it's loud, 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 loud. Mira, come on now. Amen. You have to understand, God wants to hear your voice. He doesn't care how you sing, how eloquent you may be. You don't walk in here and just say, I'm just going to be still and quiet today. No, God wants to hear your voice. You've come into this place. He wants you to lift up your voice. He wants you to say, hey, God, I'm overwhelmed. I'm ready to just give you my voice. Amen. The Bible says that we enter into his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts and into his courts with praise that means we lift up our voice to God hallelujah regardless of what others think regardless of who's sitting near us or around us listen God wants to hear your voice he loves your voice amen the third thing is this he not only wants your heart and your voice he wants your hands hallelujah Now, this is easy if you're Italian. Come on now, where's the Italians at? If you're Italian, it's very easy because you're going to talk with your hands anyway. You can't talk if your hands are tied. You you go mute. But if you've got your hands, you're good. And so, I talk a lot with my hands. And it's easy that if you come, you understand that God wants your hands. Your hands are a part of you. They, they, they are a part of your affection. They're a part of your anger, your gestures. You, you reach out. You show love with your hands. I remember very clearly, very vividly, the first time I ever held my wife's hands. We had been dating for eight months. I said eight months, y'all. That's for all you teenagers. I said eight months. And I had been thinking to myself, how how can I hold her hand? I just, I just can't grab it. You know, you have to ask. So I thought, I've got to wait for the perfect time when I could ask to hold her hand. So we were leaving the Boynton Beach Mall, and I thought to I've been thinking the whole time. On the way out, I am going to ask to hold her hand. This is going to be great. So we're leaving the Boynton Beach Mall and we're walking to our car and I turn to her and I say, would you mind if I hold your hand? <laughs> I didn't know how else to say it. What else are you supposed to say? Nobody taught me this, I huh? Smooth operator. And so I was... <clears throat> she looked at me and she said, I'll have to think about that one. No, she didn't. She said, she said, sure. So I reached out, you know, you, you know, when you intertwine, that's love, you know what I'm saying? It was, we even intertwined fingers. I mean, that is when you know you're dating. And so we got the intertwined fingers and we're walking hand in hand. It is a sign of affection. 
It's a part of me. Now I still often reach out my hand to show her my affection. She doesn't always love it, but I still do it. We'll just move right along. But, but it's a part of us. Listen, God wants your hands. Do you hear me now? He wants you to reach out your hands to him. He wants to see them. I struggled with this for years as a teenager. I had, I had trouble lifting my hands to God. I, I, I just couldn't do it. I loved God. I grew up in church. And somewhere around 14, 15-year-olds, I remember being in youth group. And I remember gathering up the courage to lift my hands halfway. It's about as good as I could get. First of all, I looked around, make sure nobody from school was there. And, and then I went halfway. That's as far as I could get them up. I was too embarrassed to lift them all the way. And I remember going on an outreach. We went to Key West to an outreach there called Fantasy Fest. And I remember we were in the parade. We actually were, had a float in the parade. And we were going down Key West. And as we got to the end... There was a band in our float. We had a band and we were worshiping God and we were singing, our God is an awesome God. And then we got to sing at the end, Amazing Grace. And it's a song that everybody knows. And I remember getting to the end of that parade. And and as we're singing Amazing Grace, just right before we ended the, the parade, I remember seeing a homeless man sitting on a crate, dirty and clothes just hanging off of him. And I remember he just put the beer down and he just lifted his hands all the way while he was singing Amazing Grace. And I thought, who am I? Who am I with all that I've been blessed with? Who am I that that grew up in, in a beautiful home where there was love? Who am I that had so much to ever lift my hands halfway to God because I was too embarrassed to go all the way? God forgive me. And so from that moment on, I remember I marked a moment where I said, hey God, my hands are going all the way up to you. Hallelujah. God, I don't care who's looking or not looking. God, I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not ashamed. I'm blessed. And so here, God, you have my hands. You have my affection. Amen. I give you all that I have. And in return, I receive. I receive so much. The first thing I receive is this. I receive strength. I receive strength. This is Palm Sunday. In Matthew chapter 21, it tells the story of what we call the triumphant entry, which was what we celebrate on Palm Sunday, where Jesus is set on a colt, on a donkey. And he is leading up to the Passion Week, the week where he'll be crucified. And as he's going through the streets, the Bible says that people cut off palm branches and they were waving them. They were throwing them down on the street. Do you remember what they were singing? Shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But people criticized him. Let's look in in, in Matthew chapter 21. It actually says, but when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple saying Hosanna to the son of David they were indignant and said to him do you hear what these are saying and Jesus said to them yes have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise 
You've perfected praise. Now, how many of you knew Jesus knew the word of God, was able to quote the word of God? He is quoting here directly from Psalms chapter 8, verse number 2. David says this, Out of the mouth of nursing babes and infants, you have ordained strength. Why? To silence the enemy, the avenger. So that either Jesus is misquoting it, or do you think that Jesus is correctly interpreting it? And he is saying to us today, even, that perfected praise is ordained strength. That when I praise God, strength comes. That when I lift my hands, when I lift my voice, when I lift my heart to God, God gives me strength. Strength for today, strength for tomorrow, strength for the enemy that is trying to come in to steal from us. Praise gives us strength, strength. When we're weak, we praise God and he gives us strength. Number two, God gives us joy. Psalm 1611 says this, in his presence is what? Fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. My definition of joy is this. It is peace and contentment in spite of. Listen to me. Peace and contentment in spite of. In spite of what? In spite of the doctor's report. In spite of the mountain of bills. In spite of the kids going crazy. In spite of the marriage falling apart. huh? In spite of all the chaos that is waiting for you out there. God gives us a joy. Amen? It is a peace. It is a contentment. Huh? The world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. Amen? Come on. Somebody believe that God gives you joy. Hallelujah? Joy. People may look at you and say, why are you so happy? Oh, I've just got joy. God's just given me joy. I just have peace that he's going to work it out. I don't know how. I don't know when. But I just know that he's going to do it. What he started in me, he is going to finish. Amen? And listen, God is not a God that he lies. If he said it, he's going to do it. Hallelujah. I've got joy on the inside because I know, listen, I am victorious. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. There is no weapon formed against me that will prosper. The greater one's on the inside of me, and I've just got joy. Hallelujah. When I lift my hands, he gives me joy. When I lift my voice, he gives me joy. When I bring my heart to him, he gives me joy. Hallelujah. It's not just a temporary smile. It's not just a, 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 I'm happy today, but I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. It's a listen, in spite of, in spite of what the devil tries to do and steal, in spite of what happens today, in spite of the email, in spite of the text message, in spite of what happens today, tomorrow, next week, next month, I've got a joy on the inside. Because I know, listen, at the end, listen, I win. Why? Because he won. Hallelujah. I win because he won. Amen. And then the third thing is this. We get perspective. This is perhaps maybe my favorite. Maybe my favorite. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse number 1, it says, In the year that King Uzzah died, Isaiah went into the temple... And the Bible says, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. 
he was high and lifted up. Hallelujah. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Not only him, listen, but the train of his robe filled the temple. In those days when a king would go to battle against another king, the victorious king would mock the king who was defeated by cutting off the train of his robe and sewing it on to his own robe so that when a king had a long train, that means that he had won a lot of victories. So when Isaiah said that the train of his robe fills the temple, that means God is a king who has defeated every other king. That means that he is victorious over every enemy. That means that his train is so long. Why? Because he's never been defeated, never will be defeated. Listen, I get a new perspective. That king is my king. Hallelujah. And listen, he is victorious, which means I'm victorious. Hallelujah. He's bigger than my problems. Listen, my God's bigger than any other God there is. He's bigger than what's waiting out there. He's bigger than the walls that you're facing. He's bigger than your limitations. He's bigger than anything the enemy would try to come at you with. Listen, God is bigger. And when I give him praise, I gain a new perspective. Because sometimes I walk into church and I think, man, I tell you what, I'm facing it. Problems all around. I mean, I just don't know. But then let me tell you, when we, get to, when we get to praising God, I start to go, that's right. I just get reminded God is bigger and he is able to, to cause me to be victorious in every circumstance. And so I just gain a fresh perspective when I come in and I just say, hey, this is why I'm here. I've come to get God praise. And listen, I'm going to give him my heart. I'm going to give him my voice. I'm going to give him my hands. And in return, I'm getting strength and joy. But I'm also getting a fresh perspective. He's a great, big God. Hallelujah. He is a big God. That's the God that I serve. Listen, that's why we give him praise.